This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. This is the Coast and Country podcast from the BBC. You can find the terms and conditions on our website at bbc.co.uk forward slash radio 4. Today you can hear Open Country. In a quietly overstated way, the focus of our attention on this week's Open Country demands attention, shouts it silently. It's sticking out like a proverbial sore thumb in a landscape, a sore thumb that is wrapped with two white bandages. That's by day. By night it demands attention as well by winking every 30 seconds, three times in quick succession. You probably guessed, yes, it's a lighthouse, but this isn't just any old lighthouse. This is the lighthouse at Haysborough on a windswept Norfolk coast, and it's celebrating its 20th birthday. It's been around a lot longer than that, but it's 20 years since it became Britain's only independent working lighthouse. Today it's uh, underneath a traditionally leaden East Anglian sky, and it's almost as if the top of the lighthouse has just torn a little tear in the grey sky and let a little bit of blue through. Blue that's uh, highlighting a seagull that's streaming back from the coast on a very, very stiff easterly breeze. And along this gravel path at the circular base of the circular building is a square door, and through that door there are some people who can tell us some more. Morning. Hello. Hi. So you must be Joy. Hello there. Hi, and you must be Patrick. Yes, that's correct. Who are what lighthouse keepers? Is that how you describe yourself? We're heavily involved with with Haysborough Lighthouse here. Um, I'm chairman of the Haysborough Lighthouse Trust. Um, Joy, my wife, is is actual secretary of the trust, uh, but we're also both involved with the, the Friends of Haysborough Lighthouse. The, the, the lighthouse is cared for by two groups. There's the Haysborough Lighthouse Trust. And there's a Friends of Hazel I'm craning my neck nervously skywards because there's a big circular staircase winding its way up the inside of this structure. How many stairs are there? Will my lungs make it? Will my legs make it to the top, Patrick? Uh, on this first staircase, there's 96 steps, right. uh, which leads into the service room, and then there's a 16 um, further steps up into the lantern room itself. 96 and 16, that's 112. 112, all right. So if I say nothing apart from the occasional grunt on the way up, you'll forgive me. You lead on. I've lost count already. Experience has told you to pace yourself. I've been running up here like a, a spring... A spring chicken. Take over. Just say something, Patrick. Tell us, tell us where we are. So, well, welcome to the top of Haysborough Lighthouse. Um, the, original, the, the tower we've just climbed is the original tower from 1790, so now well over 200 years old. And there were two lighthouses at Haysborough. There was this lighthouse and a clifftop low light. And the idea of having the two lighthouses was so the ships at sea could line the lights up from the two lighthouses, one above the other, and that would give them a, a guiding... Um, transit line to guide them south uh, around the southern end of the, the, the Haysborough Sands that lie uh, between 8 and 11 miles offshore. It's gorgeous, isn't it? Even, even the cupboards have been carved or made in a 
way that matches the circular walls, curved glass. If you'd actually been living in the tower, I mean, obviously here you've got the cottages which the keepers would have lived in, mm. but if you were in a tower in the middle of the sea and you haven't got that luxury, even the, the bunks, they were known as banana bunks, they would actually be curved around the sides. You had to lay curled up in yeah. one way. You couldn't, yeah, you couldn't, that's right. Halfway through the night. And imagine... Sort of changing the sheets and things. You need curved sheets, probably. banana <laughs> sheets, banana blankets, yeah. <laughs> banana pillows. What a fascinating thought because square furniture just wouldn't work, would it? It would leave a gap yeah. against the wall. You had to lie a certain way. Yeah. So what lay behind the decision just to start closing them down, switching them off? It was a, a major navigational review that Trinity House were actually undertaking at the time. In fact, there's been one recently again with all the lighthouse authorities. Um, as a sort of consultation with you know, the shipping who actually pay for the lighthouse and um, a number of lighthouses were actually targeted along the stretch of coast and Haysborough was one of those to be targeted a couple of them were actually I think they were purchased by the, the National Trust so they're still open as museums but they're not working um, the difference with Haysborough is that the lighthouse is still working by handing it over to the Haysborough Lighthouse Trust, we are actually the UK's only independently run working lighthouse. And that required a change of law. It's not just a case of saying, here we are, signed on the dotted line, it's now yours. Trinity House could only get rid of a, a working lighthouse to an established lighthouse authority. And you and, weren't one of those. And obviously we, we weren't. Local folk. Um, exactly. One or two of the lighthouses that have been earmarked for closure recently they're actually handing over to local port authorities because port authorities are local lighthouse authorities. We called their bluff, as it were, <laughs> and said, so how do we become a, a prior, or how do we become a local lighthouse authority? And 20 months later, um, £20,000 in total, uh, and a private member's bill through Parliament later, the Haysborough uh, Lighthouse Trust was formed in April 1990 and took over operation of Haysborough Lighthouse on the 1st of August 1990. But why the strong feeling? What is it it's about Haysborough folk that means, you know, keep off our lighthouse? <laughs> Haysborough has a very strong sense of community and it is a maritime community. Um, at the time, um, towards the end of the 1980s, there was still a small active um, fishing fleet here in the village. And yeah, we've obviously got a lifeboat here as well. And yeah, we had the support of the local fishermen and the lifeboat crews who said that they still rated the light as important to them. You know, even if we weren't preserving it for, for the larger shipping companies in general, you know, we could preserve it for, for our own local use. Because you can't always rely on what sat-nav systems or the maritime equivalent, you can't always rely on the high-tech stuff to guide you safely across the sands. You know, 20 years ago when we were saving the lighthouse, satellite technology was really still in its infancy. Nowadays, 20 years on, situation has changed somewhat. You, know, you can get mobile phones now which have got GPS, they can tell you exactly where you are. And it's now seen very much that lighthouses, not just this lighthouses, but all lighthouses are seen very much now as a secondary source of navigation. Um, you know, with satellite technology um, being the, the, the primary source. Uh, well, by my calculations, we've got another 16 stairs to go. I've got my breath back. Joy, you all right? Can you imagine yeah. another 16? Yeah, I'm up for that. Patrick, how's the, uh, how's the sword chest? Well, that's OK. You think you're going to survive for another 16 stairs? It's worth the climb. Is it? It's a bit steeper. Because we don't need sat now or anything like that to see where we are. We can stick our hands out the window when we get to the, exactly. the top of these stairs, which are, as to be said, marginally steeper than the last ones. 
it is, yeah. Staircase is a bit of a misnomer for this, isn't it? But wow, just as you stick your head up, what a splendid sight. It just opens up into a big, bright, hairy space. It's actually a very clear day today, so there's very good visibility. And you can see out on the horizon very, very clearly this morning. And we've got some of the gas rigs out there on the Hewitt Field. If we can see them, they can see the reassuring wink of this light at night to let them know that there is humanity just over the horizon, that there is safety. And we've actually had visitors, uh, when we have our open days, we have actually had visitors up here who have actually been working on the rigs and have said, you know, yep, we can see the lighthouse flashing at night and it's reassuring because we know that's home that we can see over there. This is where we need a bit of brute force. <laughs> this is a little door that's barely half, half person height, a hatch more than a door. Which our patron puts us out and actually climbs through early on at the end. If she can do it, I can so, do it. So, you know. <laughs> All right, hands and knees job virtually, isn't it? Ooh. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You can hear the sea and you can smell the sea from here, can't you? <laughs> when you're up here and you are sniffing the sea air and you're feeling the, the breeze in your hair, there'd be few places you'd otherwise rather be, I, I should oh, imagine. definitely. I mean, we both love lighthouses anyway. Um, and we're very proud of, you know, of what everybody's done, really, for this lighthouse. And, uh, you know, there's certain other lighthouses now across the country which are threatened with closure. Um, Orford Ness in Suffolk is actually a lot closer to the shoreline than Haysborough is and that's due to be switched off um, very soon so you know the fact that we can keep this one going we'll keep it going as long as we can really. And standing up here also you do I guess it, it's stating the obvious in some respect but I shall state it in any case you can see how this is the focal point of a community oh, there yes. is there is no missing it we can see all these houses we can see the farmers working their fields we can see the yes. caravanners having their late holiday um, yes. so wherever you are in Haysborough or frankly 20 miles away yes. this lighthouse sticks out like the proverbial you, sore thumb you ask anybody in Norfolk you know what's your sort of top 10 icons in Norfolk and you know, Haysborough Lighthouse will always come up in that top list. Because it is so distinctive with yeah, that red and white banding. It is stunning, isn't it? It is. <laughs> no, there's two ways down. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, take the, uh, I'll take the inside route, if I may. If you head north along the coastal path from Haysborough Lighthouse, you have the sea to your right, and it's just beginning to get a little bit roilier down there. The waves are crashing at some gnarled old wooden breakwaters, not too much to break the wave action at the foot of the cliffs that I'm standing at the, uh, the top of. But what we've come for is a rather unprepossessing little porter cabin that has been plonked, there's no other word for it, plonked on this grassy cliff top about, oh, I don't know, 50, 60 feet away from the edge. And it says Haysborough Coast Watch. And uh, we've not come to describe the blue and grey porter cabin. We've come to meet the people inside who are peering through some binoculars or possibly a telescope, waving away there. They're keeping an eye on me, but not just on me, on some other people as well. I don't know the code. I can't get in. Ha <laughs> ha! I was just going to say I don't know the code. You. Lovely to see you too. Oh, it's you gorgeous. must be Betty. Yes, I am. Hiya, Betty. I'm Richard. Hi. Oh, oh a nice warm handshake on a cold day. 
come on in. Oh, it was it they said come in there? There's a man at the back somewhere. Oh yeah. That must be Tony. Yeah. yeah the other half. <laughs> you were the one having a look through the binoculars at me, or monocular, I think. I was looking downfield for Hello, you, and he, he said, all of a sudden, he says, they're here. I went, you are? You were up this end. Put <laughs> yourself close watch, you couldn't even see me coming, could you? No. No, you come that way. I'm never so sorry. <laughs> so, Tony, how would you describe the purpose of Coast Watch in a, in a couple of sentences? Helping to save civilian lives as they go over the edge of the cliffs, or even people that follow off the edge of ships. It does happen, it does it happen. Does happen yeah. Like I say, we don't always see it, but we do hear a lot about it because of our two radios oh, over there, which there you can go. actually talk in the background. His nearest our phone is up, have you seen such and such? And, and I say, right, I'll look out, we'll look out for it, and we look out for whatever it is. So, from the windows of this hut on the cliff top, you're able to look. Ten up miles. and down the coast, yeah. so ten miles, miles out of the way. side, and actually fifteen miles up. And then in your logbooks here, you record absolutely everything that you see. Everything. Everything. Because whilst it may not be out of the ordinary, may not be in trouble, yeah. at any moment that could change. And your records here are yeah. potentially useful to people who then that have to go correct, to sea yeah. to help. Uh, someone uh, who might have to effect a rescue here on the cliff tops yeah, or whatever. Yeah. When a walk has come past, Betty, Betty, sorry. Tony, better stop. There's a person walking a dog coming in from the left here. What would we write in the book about this? What do you think? Betty's picked up a pen. She's scribbling in her notebook. What are you writing, Betty? Well, male has got a... Male? You're a female. It's a male, female, is it? <laughs> <laughs> One female. Blue coat. Yellow stripes. Walking dog. Yeah. Yeah, as a dog. Terrier-like. Yeah. Which way is she going, Tony? Inland. Inland. You'll pick her up on that CCTV yeah. camera. Yeah. That, uh... Now, if she was to go missing, perish the thought between here and home. I've copied that back in book then, when I... Yeah, then we know where she was last seen. We know where she was last seen. This record, all of these files the that uh, are uh, there in the, in the lever arch files under the table here, all my, um... these contain all of the unusual sightings. Oh, yeah, yeah, everything, yeah. What, what are some of the more unusual things that you've spotted um, whilst you've been on watch here, apparently? Well, when Noel Baker was on control, we found a body on the beach. Went to do a beach scan because we walk, but we don't get too near. Don't like get too near the beach. I was worried that I just kept looking because like, that just where I on it. And um, I says, "There's a body on beach, and he got no legs." He says, "You are." I says, "There's a man. It looks like a man. Bodies on beach, and we fetched them all in. And then a good two, three months after, I'm having a check, and I saw this concrete with some feet in." And we had to send for him again, police and coast guard to come. Did the feet belong to the body? They must have belonged to the body, yeah. Gosh. And then, uh, oh, a good seven or eight months after, uh, another one. It was about two months after. Yeah, this uh, lady washed up with no yeah. skin on. She had no skin on, but, you know, you could see the out shape of the body, you know, and she was a woman. I'd just say she was in her mid-40s at the time, so we got told, but after that, the rest is history. Our eyes are for Yarmouth. We can watch all the coast guards because at Yarmouth, they can't see the sea. So if there's anything wrong, we let them know. Like one Friday when I were on all day. And Tony went back home, didn't you? And uh, I'm looking out and I saw this rubber dinghy going up and I thought, rubber dinghy's going a long way. Some great men dropped out, uh, divers. And I thought, oh, everything's all right. She's anchored, whoever's anchoring it. 
So I went to China to see her, and when I come out, she'd gone. I thought, oh, no. And all of a sudden, this weird, this woman crying, and can somebody help me? Well, I couldn't answer her back because it came over on the machine, and I says, oh, I says, blimey, I'm just going to phone the armour thought, and they phoned me. They said, have you heard her? I says, yeah, I have, I said, and she said, all she says is, I can see a lighthouse. I thought, well, anybody can see a lighthouse outside there, do you know what I mean? Mm. I thought, where the hell is she? So she'd gone behind um, gas, rigs. gas rigs. She'd gone, it seemed that she had took her round gas rigs, and I said, oh, I've spotted her, she's coming back round. And I told them where she was. They sent helicopter out and boats, and they picked the divers up, they picked those up, and then they went round and picked her up and told her back in. So, effectively, you are uh, the the eyes of, of, of Coast Guards yes, and of the, of, if you like, the, the established, the professional yeah. authorities who can't be everywhere at once, can't see everything. No, they can't, no. We are, we are the eyes for everything. Mm. We don't have to miss a thing. I'm sorry, and I if, missed you. <laughs> and if you haven't... If you, yeah, you missed me. I, I didn't, well, I didn't fall, off the, <laughs> fall off the cliff. But you you were walking on coast, didn't you? I was deliberately trying to be furtive yeah. and secretive yeah. to see if I could... Fox, your high-tech gear, and clearly I did. <laughs> I blended in with the scenery with that green anorak of mine. Yeah. Uh, but, but joking apart, on that instance, you may well have contributed to, to, to Life Saved. Oh, yeah. Mm. That yeah. must be, you, you say, oh, yeah, in a very matter-of-fact way. But well, you... it's an everyday thing for us now, isn't it? Because, you know, I've been here just over seven years, haven't we? Yeah. And uh, I never thought I'd be able to do anything like this. And then uh, I trained and it was lovely. I think it's gorgeous. It's the best thing out. I'd sleep up here, I would. Yes, I would. Looking out through the windows here, it strikes me, um, windows on, on, on three yes, of the four sides them, of the building, yeah. it, obviously you need them to, to see what's going on, but the landscape is, is three stripes. You've got this stripe of grass between yeah. here and the edge of the cliff, and then you've got the stripe of... I was going to say blue, but that would be a misnomer, a grey-brown mm. North Sea. And then above that, a slightly lighter grey-brown stripe of, of, of sky. That's that's your whole world view, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, yeah, and it's lovely. It's gorgeous. Do you get bored by it? I think no. I want something else to no, sort of No, I don't get bored, no. When I'm on my own, and it, it, I think, oh, it's lovely. You know, when Tony comes to pick me up, I said, we've got to go. You're looking through a window and it's dark and all you see... You can see a boat with all its lights on, as if somebody had just lit it up. It's oh, you've got to see it to explain it. It's it's so lovely. We've been dark, you know, and sometimes when it's at night, when there's like a full moon and all, it's gorgeous. It's it's like somebody showing a film to you, and it's not real, but you know, land of your own here. It's 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 so nice. You're watching everybody. You know, they wave to you as they're passing with dogs and sometimes they come up to the window or they come in and have a little chat. You know, and volunteers that we get and when we get these volunteers and I come to, when we see them and I say, it's lovely, you'll enjoy this. And they have, they've stopped. They really enjoyed it. Mm. So this is all run by volunteers? Yes, it is, yes. What mm, is it about start. local people, do you think, whether they've lived here for generations or whether they've uh, arrived more recently in the, in the way that you have, that makes people so public-spirited? Because we've all been told, haven't we, to get off our backsides and, and to get involved in the community, all this yeah. big society stuff. It's, it's, I think it's nothing new around here, is it? Yeah. Yeah, everybody gets notes around here, don't they, Tony, really? Oh, they're, yeah. so, 
you know, they're so, uh, how can I say, they're so pleasant. And, and they give up their precious few hours they've got spare, you know. Some do more, some do less. We still have the holidays and we still have people being ill, but they come in and they do it in the goodness of their heart. If they are. And they really enjoy mm. doing it, which is brilliant. Now, sadly, the presence of a working lighthouse is no guarantee of salvation, and there are plenty of occasions where, despite the light, people get into trouble at sea and they need rescuing. And that's when some more volunteers, those that man the Haysborough lifeboat, come in, and they're walking down the windswept concrete ramp to a fairly choppy sea. I've got Cedric Cox with me, who manages the local lifeboat station. If anybody's got a lifeboat running in their blood, it's you. Goes back a fair old way, Cedric. Um, yeah, and father was involved. He was a local coast guard. He probably got the first D-class lifeboat at Haysborough in 1965. I was born at Cromer and we moved to the village uh, when I was small. And then I uh, left school and joined the Merchant Navy for six years and travelled the world. Then I came back and... Uh, Obviously joined the crew in 1967, uh, and I was a crew member for 25 years. And after that, uh, when you get to 45 now, it's old enough. You pack up then. It's tough uh, work. Then I took be. over the uh, life operations manager side, which I've been doing ever since. Was it inevitable that you would get involved with the lifeboat, given the sort of family connection to it? Is there still that kind of father to son, uh, mother to daughter? Yeah, there is. Passage? I mean, we've got uh, we've got some crew members who their their children have joined, and uh, we've got our senior husband, his daughter has now joined. So, yes, it is a, a big family. Really, it's nice to be involved in part of the team. Yeah. first call out was unfortunately to a, a young girl missing at Waxham and uh, we've searched for about three hours with the helicopter and we eventually found her but unfortunately we tried everything to revive her and um, you know we, we couldn't uh, helicopter whisk off the hospital but um, unfortunately she's pronounced dead but it does still stick in your mind that you know um, it does knock you up for a few days afterwards. It does. Yeah. And then of course there are other occasions where the outcome is successful and, and that must put a spring in your step in the way that it kind of depresses yeah, you when it, it does, doesn't work. Yeah, um, we don't like the boat being called out. I mean, uh, you know, it's nice probably if you don't get called out because you know everybody's safe, but when it does get called out, if you go and actually save someone's life and come back, it does warrant all the training and all the expense and it justifies and you feel that, yeah, you have putting something back in society um, it does it feel it does feel good yes it's funny isn't it as we've been talking the uh, cloud has thinned and a, it's not exactly direct sunlight but a bit of uh, brighter light has broken through and the breaking waves here have suddenly become a really striking white colour haven't they it's yes. uh, almost yes. sort of blinky eyed bright yes it's a changing picture you can stand and uh, you know sometimes you get the patterns of the sky is reflected on the sea I'm looking, though, over that ocean with a completely untrained night. It looks cold, it looks wet, it looks miserable. To you, you're reading it perhaps in a different way. So, so just read that sea, would you, as, a, as an expert? Uh, it's, uh, it's just an uh, onshore breeze from the sea, no heavy swell, quite capable for both boats to be launched in that, but no problem. So I, I do constantly watch the sea. That's a daily job for me because I'm in charge of launching the boat. 
and it's up to me to say whether I send three guys out in atrocious conditions. And you do worry sometimes that you've done the right thing. Yeah, you know, especially night time as well, when we're on call 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. 99% of the time, we certainly would give it a shot. Yeah. So it, I do look at the sea every day. Actually, I do, uh, and I know. Uh, I usually look at it first thing in the morning, and I know if there's a shout during the day that yes, that's fit to go. The reason that the boat has to be launched, the reason the uh, lighthouse is there, is because the the landscape, if you like, underneath the, the seascape is uh, treacherous. How reassuring is it, if at all, to look back towards Haysborough and to see that little light winking away at you in a friendly fashion? Yeah, the lighthouse spin red and white is a marvellous landmark. We do use it for navigation and it is good to, to see it there. And I'm sure yachtsmen and things still use it as a position when they're coming past because it does stand out so well. It's a marvellous landmark.